Welcome to a special episode of Finding God in Culture. What is now becoming a tradition for us is every handful of episodes, we pause our normal format and some of the dialogue that Danny and I have, and we talk about something special. In this episode, we're going to be talking about finding God in rock music. Seems kind of maybe like a peculiar topic, but one of the things that we are trying to do in this podcast is help people, just as the Apostle Paul said in Acts 17, realize uh, that it's in God that we have life and breath and everything. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. God is speaking in unexpected ways and unexpected places. Often we've reduced God and how He wants to talk to us and where He is moving uh, in a very weird, sacred, secular divide. So one of the best ways for us to upend that is to help people by pulling back the veil of our own lives and talk about where we're finding God uh, and where we found Him in unexpected places. And so it's going to be in some musical lyrics, some songs that have moved us. Danny and I are in two different generations, so there's been some different genres of music that we've found uh, God in uh, rock. He's uh, a little bit likes a little bit more alternative, uh, heavier rock. I in kind of some indie rock, more folk rock. Uh, but we're going to talk about where we've discovered God in some very peculiar places. And I think as you're going to listen to this episode, I think you're in for a real treat as we talk about some of the whispers and longings that we think a lot of musicians are crying out to us, crying out for our generation and our longing for God. So sit back and enjoy a special episode of Finding God in Culture. God gives us life, breath, and everything else. In Him, we live, we move, and we have our being. He keeps on speaking. He keeps on transmitting. He continues to show up and never stops revealing. We have eyes to see and ears to hear. We pay attention in print, over the air, and on every size of screen. Our moleskin is open, our pen is ready, and the mic is live. Let's find God in culture. Well, welcome into another episode of Finding God in Culture. This is Drew Thurman. I am joined by Danny Wright. Danny, how is it going, man? It has been a long time since our last episode. I think we are uh, approaching almost two months since we recorded last. So how are you doing? Well, I haven't traveled the world as much as you have during that time, but I have traveled quite a bit. Uh, Living in Knoxville, Tennessee right now for the first two months of our program, doing uh, discipleship training, community building, and uh, getting ready to hit the road and travel around the country for a month and a half, two months. So looking forward to that. Man, yeah, that's awesome. And yes, as you referenced, I have been traveling quite a bit. We uh, celebrated our 10-year anniversary by heading to Paris, um, France, which was awesome. And it seems like we snuck in right in between. <laughs> they, they opened up. We went a month later. And then it looks like they're closing down. Uh, most of the European Union is closing down now as COVID cases are spiking. But it was unbelievable. My wife minored in French in college, has loved Parisian culture like our whole marriage. And so it was really like a dream of hers to get there. And so it was, it was fun as a husband to just watch her. And um, man, it was 
Paris was really cool, but then we actually headed down for part of our trip to the south of France, to Provence, to a region of Provence called the Luberon Valley. And maybe a later episode, I can talk about finding God in the Luberon, uh, had a pretty gnarly uh, just encounter with God uh, on a on a kind of a mountain overlooking the Luberon Valley in Bordeaux, uh, Bonneur, not yeah, Bonneur, France. And uh, it was it was pretty special. So I can talk about that some other time. But it was a remarkable uh, experience. And just to get get away, get back. And then I'm getting ready to head off next week uh, to travel, uh, kind of go on a road trip with my dad. So yeah, I've been I feel like you, man. So we, we talked about finding God on the road. And uh, I was picking your brain and I have been finding God on the road and hope to some more. Uh, so it's, it's great. So I have to ask, as always, Danny, what are you drinking as we record this episode? Well, I hope it's what I really think it is, because they finally brought the red label, uh, black lettered Coca-Cola Zero Sugar to the United States. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's what I was drinking in Mexico and going, man, I wish Coke Zero tastes like this in America, in the United States, I mean, and um I, I found out that it had come to the States because I saw this ad at a movie theater. I cornered somebody who worked for Coca-Cola in Dollar General and I went, where is it? And when am I going to get some? <laughs> and she looked at me and she goes, uh, they have it uh, just a couple miles away in this other town. And I go, well, I am going there and I am buying it. And when I bought it, I came out with hands raised in the sky in praise to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the gift of Coca-Cola Zero that tastes like Coca-Cola. Yes. As a non-Coca-Cola aficionado like you, what does the black lettering mean? I don't, I don't even know what that means. Well, this, it was just a different label. See, oh, we okay. had the black can with red, with Coca-Cola written in red and zero sugar. And it was totally different in Mexico. And I'm like, it also tastes totally different. And so finally they brought the same uh, red can with black lettering and it is now more delicious. You can see that right there in your screen, <laughs> now more delicious. And I agree 100%. Oh yeah, so it could be true, or it could just be the placebo effect that they uh, they put on a new label and you're and just slap that it tastes better, and you're convinced that it is. Well, they did admit that they changed the formula yet again, and let me tell you something. You know, it's getting closer. I mean, I'm ready for the next time. So you know. <laughs> well, they, well, thank you for yes uh, indulging me with with your uh, your latest. Uh, can review so um and aren't you glad i brought one with me because i almost forgot to bring uh, you know how it is i, I got know. one though yeah you got to be sharp man that's the stuff that fuels danny wright's insight so i'm glad you've got some with you so uh <laughs> well, i better go get another one oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man well we uh just as uh, our audience heard at the top of the show recording uh a couple of special episodes here uh something we do you know periodically in our podcast like to have a special conversation uh, about finding God somewhere in particular. And so we're talking about finding God in rock of all places, um, in rock music and yeah, not, not actual rocks, but rock music. And um, although I, the I, geologists listening would really appreciate if we'd spent time finding God in just rocks. Yes. Yes. My, yeah, my geology professor in college would be really excited about that. So, um, but uh, yes, it, I think this is a kind of a fascinating conversation for a couple of reasons. One, uh, Obviously, a lot's changed in the last uh, 20 years, but evangelical subculture uh, for most of the, the 20th century was not a fan of rock music. 
And I was kind of at the very end of the uh, evangelical subculture era that, you know, I remember uh, sitting in like youth group or Sunday school and being told about the evils of rock and roll. Uh, I remember, I think I've referenced this on the podcast before, going to uh, the Berean bookstore and having to find a Christian alternative for everything because, you know, rock music was so evil and so bad. So it's interesting we're talking about it from that level. Uh, but then secondarily, something I, I kind of had referenced to you, um, you know, one of the things we're trying to do in the show is that, you know, we're, we're putting uh, kind of this idea that we want people to be more aware as to where God is moving, uh, where they live, where they move, where they have their being in and around them all the time where he is showing up and sending them messages in the most unexpected places. And part of the way that we do that is by actually just letting people in on our own pursuit of those things on most episodes uh, by helping them see how we're doing that. And I think it's interesting that we're using rock music as a place to do that because as I was uh, kind of telling you, uh, Malcolm Gladwell has a great episode of this in his podcast, Revisionist History. Rock music really isn't as uh, lyrically strong traditionally as some of other genres of music. And he kind of makes the case that genres of music like country or hip hop and rap or blues, these are music styles that kind of birth from a singular culture. And so, uh, you know, part of the reason he talks about country music being so sad, they're able to tell a very concrete story. It's not hard to find references of God in country music or uh, in rap and hip hop, even blue. I mean, you're, you're going to discover things very quickly there because they're able to be much more specific in their lyric because they're speaking to an audience that's coming from the same shared life experience, from the same pain, from the same sorrow, from the same joys, and they're able to celebrate those together. Rock having its mass appeal, and we could probably say this about pop music as well, being so cross-cultural in its appeal, a lot of the lyrics are a little bit more vague, not always, there, there's some that, that are a little bit more specific, but kind of, uh, if you're, you're kind of brushing a broad stroke, it's a little bit more wide. And so you have to go searching a little bit. Uh, I think some rock music almost is poetry in a way, that there, it's open to a lot more interpretation than some styles of music. Um, And so I think it's kind of cool that we can let people in on this because some of the stuff that we're even going to be looking at, uh, there's differing opinions about what's even being said. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be open to a little bit of our interpretation as we listen to this and said, oh, I see God here um, in a kind of unique Mm -hmm. way. So I don't know what you think about that, but I think it's kind of fascinating that we're having this discussion and uh, something kind of cool could come from that for for folks listening. Well, yeah, I I definitely agree. And You know, I, I just, um, I've always been bothered by um, a Christian subculture that says we're going to find God in this place and we're going to, uh, because he's, he's, because he's not in all of these other places. And yet I was always taught that God was omnipresent. <laughs> well, if he's everywhere present, then how is he not present in the different genres and the different places where you don't expect him to be? And I often tell people I would much rather look for God in in the places where the bushes are on fire than, you know, sitting back in all of the comfortable places where I know he has always been. And it's just exciting to me. And and so um, he's here. He's there. He's everywhere. And I'm not talking about Roy Kent. 
So uh, anyway, I, I know he's there and I just go find him. So anyway, it's one of those things that I always want to do. And I find it the most fun. I try to tell students, I said, look, you, you know, worship songs are fine and worship songs are great. And they moved me. I was in chapel at Johnson University the other day and I went, oh my, I need to look at these lyrics. And so I looked them up and I paid attention to them. I still haven't downloaded that song yet. But I tell you what, if I'm listening to a rock and roll song and I'm out there in this place where I don't expect him, it brings excitement. And I'm always drawn further into the mystery and into the revelation because God is always revealing himself. You know, you sent me a song the other day that talked about, you know, we're broken poets with broken pens. And, and I'm telling you, I mean, yeah, I believe that God still writes with pagan pens and frames and pagan lenses and writes in pagan verse. And so I want to find him. No, that's awesome. And I'm, I, our audience probably appreciates that you cleaned up the Roy Kent quote. So kudos. Well, on yes. That. I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, but if you're out there and you know uh, Ted Lasso, or if you know Premier League soccer, you know exactly where that came from. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so our, our pursuit is, and I think we're going we're gonna to start this conversation in this episode, uh, kind of carry it over into our next episode. Uh, but we're going to be talking about finding God in the midst of rock. And I, and I love what you were referencing there. Yes. Uh, God is working through so many different people. And, uh, and I love when we don't limit that, uh, when we, we, we stop trying to force everything through a singular worldview. Like, you know, I think that we, uh, we, really, we really start to be open to the beauty of what Jesus and what God's doing. Uh, the spirit, how, how the spirit's moving in and around us all the time. And so, yes, excited for that. So we want to just get into the nitty gritty of this. Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting. We're obviously different ages. We have different music genres. I, I definitely grew up. My dad was a huge fan of seventies and eighties rock. Um, and so a lot of classic rock I, I got to hear. Um, I listened to some alternative stuff and, and, you know, but then as I've kind of aged, uh, I don't listen to quite as much as I used to. And what I am gravitated towards more like indie, indie rocks and folk, indie folk. Uh, but you're different than that. So that's going to be cool that we're going to be able to pull some different references out. So I'd love for you to go first. Uh, you were actually the one that brought this conversation to the table um, based off of, I think actually you're doing, working through some of this with finding God and culture uh, uh, kind of in this, this class that you're working through uh, this discipling program. So why don't you start that um, kind of how this birth and kind of the song that started moving you and uh, we can kind of go from there. Well, that sounds cool. Before I do that, I'll say this. Um, I'm reminded of a prayer of one of our students in the program because it was absolutely hilarious. Um, uh, when she prayed to end our session the other night, she said, I want to thank you for for the opportunity for Danny to introduce us into, to some weird things that we might actually end up liking. Uh, because I'm telling you, their music is not rock and roll either. I mean, they're very much an auto-tune generation. Uh, they're very much into, um, you know, more pop music. Matter of fact, this girl's a huge T-Swizzle fan. So, you know, I mean, you know, here I go, I, I bring out the Pretty Reckless and they're like, what is this? And it was amazing because I watched this one girl uh, come to life as the song got heavier and harder. And as it got into the movement of, of just the rhythm and of, you know, just the angst in the song, I watched her come alive and I went, hey, I just want you to know, I really enjoyed watching you come to life with the words and with the music and watching her sing along. So I'll start with a song by The Pretty Reckless. Um, this is just... Uh, 
I didn't even know the Pretty Reckless. Uh, and I, I still don't know them very well, but I was very much introduced to who they are and um, a little bit of a connection with Soundgarden that I read about. And I'm like, well, I like Soundgarden. And uh, it'd be a great time for me to say rest in peace, uh, Chris Cornell, because we really miss you in this world. But um, I guess we should read these lyrics and then we should go from there. So here is Only Love Can Save Me Now by The Pretty Reckless. Heavens falling out of the sky sends a message to you and I. See people crawling out of their trees, chained to sickness. The dogs are free. I want to be saved. I want to be saved from the sound, the sound. The world is spitting out. Only love can save me now. Gone so down, lost is all I found. Only love, love, love can save me now. Drowning madly in deep blue seas, waves of sadness swallow me. No soul can hear me beneath the weight. No gods or saviors, no hands of fate. I want to be saved. I want to be saved from the sound, the sound. The world is spitting out. Only love can save me now. Gone so down, lost is all I found. Only love, love, love can save me now. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved from the sound, the sound. The world is spitting out. Only love can save me now. Gone so down, lost is all I found. Only love, love, love can save me now. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you, the music is spectacular. It moved me. Um, this song really rocks. And it's one of those things that, you know, you read those lyrics and you think maybe this could be a sad song, something like that. No, this is a song in which you really experience the power of those moments when lost really is all that we feel like we've found. And haven't we all felt that way? I mean, all of us have felt that, you know, no matter where we turn, it just seems like lost is really all we found. It feels like, you know, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't hit a basket if we tried, <laughs> you know, we couldn't, um, we couldn't, you know, make the right decision if it were the last thing that we ever did. But I'm going to tell you what really got me. I mean, from the very beginning, I was looking for these songs, Drew, that were popular songs in 2021, because I didn't want to just go back to my old songs and only talk about all the old songs that I've spent time with finding God in culture. I wanted to find him again. And so I put in top rock songs of 2021 and I started searching all over the place and I started going through the top 50, top 40, top 100 on these different sites. And I find this song and the first words are heavens falling out of the sky sends a message to you and I. I went, what? You got to be kidding me. You can't give me a greater gift of immediately referencing incarnation and just being able to find this moment. Yes, heaven is sending us a message. Everybody. God wishes that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. And here he gives us this gift. And, but as you go along in the song, you realize maybe she hasn't received that message. Maybe that message hasn't hit totally home because she's got those waves of sadness that wash over her. And as she's down in these moments of struggle and these moments of doubt and these moments of question, these moments of, of wondering if there really is some love that can save her now, she feels like there's no gods of, or saviors and no hands of fate. I mean, when I heard that the first time, I was like, no, I mean, you can't say that because there is a God, there is a savior. Heaven fell out of the sky, you know, and I was saying those things. But man, when loss is all you find, it really does feel like there's no gods or saviors. It makes you feel like you're in the middle of the Psalms. 
when the psalmist says, you know, how long, oh Lord? Where, God? You know, and ask these big questions. And she says, I just need to be saved. I want to be saved. And you know what? What more would you want than for somebody to want salvation? Because God also wants salvation for somebody and wants to save us from the sound, the sound that the world is spitting out. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if this is really what you wanted me to do, but there you go. There's my opening to no, I, this song I, by The Pretty Reckless. Well, one, I think this is going to pair really well with the first song that I'm going to reference as well. Um, we'll get there in a second. But it, it's interesting. You brought out a lot of things that stuck out to me as well. I, I can't get past um, one, the, the verse that talks about drowning madly in the deep blue seas, waves of sadness swallow me. No soul can hear me beneath the weight. No gods, little G or saviors, no hands of fate. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. And yeah, I mean, it, it seems to me, and I, I'm going to kind of talk about this a little bit. It's, and I think there's a lot of music that's referencing this. And we've talked a lot about James K. Smith. So this is just going to be coming out of me, but uh, I'm going to beat this dead horse. Just warning for everyone on the podcast. I'm going to beat this dead horse a lot on this episode. Beat dead horse. Yes. Um, but uh I, I think you're, you're, you're seeing this uh, being haunted by the lack of transcendence. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I love what I really love. And, and again, this is, I'm going to bring this up again with my song that I'm going to reference the first time. James K. Smith talks about us um, kind of being haunted by faith. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, this idea that we're Christ haunted um, that, you know, really in many ways, we're, we're all dealing with the contestability of our beliefs. And we live in this world, we've been following for the last couple of hundred years, the secular myth that science and math and progress were going to get us to this place where we were, uh, we're going to get us to this place where we were going to be completely rational and we were going to be a-religious and we were going to kind of be past the, this idea that, you know, the myth of, of, of a God or gods or anything beyond us. And I think we're kind of, and there's actually hints of this. There's some great podcasts out there. Um, I, I would tell you if you if you're really a nerd of theology, go over and listen. Deep Talks has been doing something on this recently on that that podcast, but talking about kind of we might actually be entering some some sociologists actually think we're entering post secularity, post secularism, where we're actually rejecting the idea that we could be a religious, that we could be completely rational and that there isn't anything beyond ourselves. Now, we're not necessarily going to traditional religions to find that, but we're hungry for God. Mm-hmm. We thought we could, we, Nietzsche, Nietzsche cried out and said, God is dead. We've killed him. And we've only come to find out we want him so bad. Mm-hmm. And I hear that from the song, like, I'm looking around and, you know, you, you just le- see the, the you know, I see sickness. I, I see lostness. I feel it in me. I want to be saved. I'm swallowed in sadness because I, you know, there's no gods, there's no saviors, there's nothing, there's no fate. There's nothing, you know, I, it's almost this nihilistic worldview. And yet I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I just can't get past the idea that there's a God and I'm not sure he's real but goodness, do I want him to be good? Do, do I want him to be real? That's what I hear in that song is just oh, this, yeah. like, I just, it's like, almost like I just can't give up on God. Well, I think you're right. And, and I think, I mean, is this, I mean, this is why finding in God and culture matters because 
if I don't know this song exists, then I've been cut off by all of these people who are pretty reckless fans to begin with, probably. <laughs> and I'm going to run across these people. And when I bump up against them and when I rub shoulders with them, I want to be able to have a common, uh, I want to be able to have common ground to talk about common grace. And so when I have common ground to talk about common grace and to have real conversations that matter, I mean, it's why I want to know this is out there. Is it wrong to have a worship culture and to have the music that we use in church? No, but I tell you what, this is worship for me because I'm out there and God is going, hey, I just want you to know I haven't forgotten the pretty reckless. And I want you to know that I haven't forgotten all the reckless human beings who stumble across this on XM radio and who find this. And, and it's just one of those exciting things to know that God is out there. And I'm on the search. I'm on the prowl. I'm, on, I'm out looking. And I want to find it. And when I find him, you know what? I want to build a standing stone right there. I want to build an altar right there. I don't want to be like Jacob. I don't want to wake up the next day and go, you know what? Surely the presence of God was in this place. And I didn't even know about it. Mm, yeah. Well, and, and honestly, <clears throat> what an anthem for our generation. I mean, those, those lyrics, you know, how many friends I have that are like this, they've been hurt by the church. Oh, yeah. They've been hurt by the church or uh, they had a bad experience with the Christian faith and many of them, they would use the term deconstruction. And yet when I talk to so many of them, they, they, they can't, they can't give up on God and they're not quite sure how to express that. They're not quite sure where to go, but at the end of the day, they look around and they're like, there's so much sadness. There's so much injustice. There's so much brokenness. There's so much brokenness in me. And if there is not something bigger than all of this, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to keep living. I'm not sure I want to keep doing this thing uh, called life. And, and I think a lot of us are there, Danny. I think so many of us are, are looking around and are saying, yeah, we've had some bad experiences. Yeah. Uh, we're not quite sure following Jesus looks like that, but daggone it. I need a God. Um, right. I, I need something transcendent. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a God whisper. I think that's God. I think that's God whispering to us uh, in a different way. I think that's God showing up in people's lives, um, his, his, his unique way of saying, by the way, I'm still here. And oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> even though. Well, you know, and I think and you probably don't want me to open this can of worms, but I'm going to throw it in there. Um, you know, we have read an article that talked a little bit about um, how uh, Ted Lasso offers a Christless Christianity to our world. Um and I, I mean, we're not going to do justice to that whole article. It's been a while since I read it, but I was talking with somebody just this morning about the fact that, you know, sure, there might be some sadness in somebody who watches a Christmas episode that never rents, mentions Jesus' name except in the word Christmas, okay, which it's there. Um, and you see all of these Christ-like, fruit-of-the-spirit type um, gifts that are given out in this show, and there's never any mention of God. And yet, guess what? All of this stuff came from a culture in England, a culture in the United States, in which there has been the truth of the gospel lived out for years. Now, there might be times in which it hasn't been lived out well. That doesn't mean that those elements are not still out there. And there are opportunities for us to come in and say, well, yeah, you see you see joy here. You see hospitality here. But let me tell you where joy and real hospitality really come from. And we're able to frame that. And hopefully seeing that in a culture that is 
somewhat Christless, guess what? It should be it should be a slam on us as people of Christ who have not lived and who have not loved and who have not carried out the message like we should have, and we have relegated it to the culture. No, yeah, I think you're absolutely uh, hitting it hitting it dead on. We talk a lot about it, Renaissance that our number one job is to be translators of transcendence. I might've mentioned this in the podcast before. I don't know. But it's I think okay that's, to mention again. Yeah, Somebody but, might pick up with just today. Drew. Yeah, you never yeah, know. Yeah. But I think that's, you're making my point. You know, that's the, the thing that we're always bringing out by the way, this longing or this thing that you're desiring or this, this whisper in your ear. Uh, what if that's God, mm-hmm. you know, and what if, what if some of the things you deconstructed are actually good things? Uh, what if your deconstruction was actually reconstruction? You just didn't know it. You thought you were deconstructing your faith. You were actually, you were actually getting, you thought you were getting further away from God and you were actually getting closer to him. And I, you know, I might actually even say that to the, to the, uh, what is the name of this band? The pretty reckless. Is that right? The pretty reckless. I might actually say that to them. Like, uh, the fact that you're wanting that you might actually be orienting towards God more than you think you are and tune in, you know, what, what do you know? I think I've read that found poem before, um, you know, from Frederick Beekner, one of my favorites, mm. but he, what does he say? Pay, you know, he talks a lot about paying attention, you know, even the, the, the smallest longings, the smallest, you know, feelings that we have sometimes contain the greatest clues, you know? Absolutely. So well, and, and I, I'm, go ahead. You, know, you go ahead. We both started twice. Um, I, the other thing I would add to that is, um, you know, when we go out, I mean, we want to be able to help transform people who are in this culture. But because God is already there, because God is already at work, because the bushes are already on fire, I'm not the bringer of all of all truth. The truth already exists and it's out there. And you know what? I want culture to transform me too. Tra- culture needs to show a mirror back to me and go, this is how you're not like Jesus, sucker. And if you were more like Jesus, then maybe we would believe and maybe we would care and maybe we would give a hootie who, and then we could have a better world. Uh, That that needs to be on a t-shirt. You don't look, what was it? You're, you're not like Christ sucker. <laughs> sucker. Yeah. yeah. Well, and sucker for sure. Cause, cause you know, I gotta be honest. I, you know, every time run DMC comes up on the playlist, the little sucker MCs, they'll call me sire, king of rock, the king of rock for hire. I mean, I'm ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bring on some Daryl McDaniels all day long, some run well, and some Jay. Well, we'll transition. Cause this is a, well, kind of, yeah, but we'll, we'll transition to my, like, I'm not going to read the entire song, but I'm going to read the the chorus of a song that I think pairs really well with that. This, a song called uh, Clark Gable by the Postal Service. It was put out I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. But it's it's, you know, just I think a perfect example again of what we're saying. Listen, listen to these lyrics of the chorus. I just I I just can't get past these. I want so badly to believe that there is truth, that there is love, that no, that there is truth, that love is real. And I want life in every word to the extent that it's absurd. They actually repeat this later on. It says, I want so badly to believe that there is truth, that love is real. And I want life in every word to the extent that it's absurd. I know you're wise beyond your years, but do you ever get the fear that your perfect verse is just a lie? You tell yourself to help get by that you tell yourself to help you 
just get by. And I just, oh my gosh, it's very yeah. much the same thing. I want so badly to believe. I think it's again, that same thing. You know, the, the I, I don't think even I gave her uh, credit earlier, the Flannery O'Connor, like Christ haunted thing. It's like, I don't believe, but I really want to. I, I want truth mm-hmm. to be, I want truth and I want love and I, I want light. What man, I can't get over that one. I want life in every word to the extent that it's absurd, bro, man, I can't, you know, what do you do with that? And this, I mean, that is that, if that's not a cry to the divine, I don't know what is. No, I agree with you, man. And I tell you, um, the song is talking about, you know, him calling up an old girlfriend and pulling her out and he had somebody stand in to set the frame. And then he steps in and he kisses her in a way that, you know, Clark Gable would be proud, you know, and I, I just, I, I love that because you know what, again, we've got this idea of what love is and, and it's been romanticized by movies, but even the romanticism of the movie can't be like the real life. That's absurd that he's looking for. I'm telling you, is that not what Jesus is saying when he says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I mean, he wants it in the absurd. He wants it in the, in the crazy, in the, in the exponential. And you just see that. And yeah, this is such a great song. And you know what? If you go back into that person who is in a movie, who has their lines trained for them, and they're giving these lines with every bit of passion that they have, can you imagine what it's like when you hit that in real life? You've been play acting all this time. You've put on this mask and you've been this person on a screen. And then all of a sudden you get this gift of finding life in the absurd, in the mundanity of every day. And you be able to find out what the beauty of all of this world is. And it all starts to open up to you. And it's like moving from black and white into Technicolor. (laughs) So, I mean, I just, yeah, I think this is a great song and, and I, I mean, I have to say, I read some things that some people said about this song. And one of the things they said was that Ben Gibbard has this ability um, to make, you know, the mundane moments of life uh, just hum and sing and, and have well, beauty and meaning. And if, yeah, if you, and if you follow any of Ben Gibbard's lyrics across all of his, his wide musical influences on us, he this this is not a uh this is this is a typical lyric not an atypical lyric this is the kind of thing he sneaks in all the time you know that uh again it's it's just christ haunted um again i i wasn't going to read this but i just can't not because i think you bring it out so good i got to read found again i just referenced it by frederick beekner but i think it's yeah right it's, it's it's just exactly what we're talking about i think it's just one of the best poems ever and i think it's describing what we're reading in this maybe it's all utterly meaningless maybe it's all utterly meaningful if you want to know which pay attention to what it means to be truly human in a world that half the time we're in love with and half the time scares the hell out of us the unexpected sound of your name on somebody's lips the good dream the strange coincidence the moment that brings tears to your eyes the person who brings life to your life even the smallest events hold the greatest clues Mm. and i you know i think he's He's telling, it's almost like Beekner's responding to, to the postal service, to the pretty reckless, where he's saying, uh, yes, pay attention. Uh, you know, I, I, I often like, you know, I, I often struggle with people who, who 
who I think pushed down transcendence. I, I'm actually thankful for artists because I think this is a measure of like vulnerability and, and transparency that mm -hmm. I think so many of us just numb our reality and we don't pay attention to these longings enough. How, when I look into my wife's eyes, you know, when I'm holding her hand on a date and something in my heart that I can't even put words to just comes up and jumps in me, this depth of love, of passion, uh, of intimacy that I care for her. I, I can't believe that that's just, not, you know, some, you know, uh, just some random bangings that have happened genetically over time, you know, like, uh, I, I, when I hold my daughter and I look into her eye, either one of my daughters and look into their eyes, especially that first time that I got to do that. And some, there's something so beautiful there, you know, the times when I've, I've sat with somebody in pain, uh, and, and we don't even have to say a word and there's a connection that is, we just cry together. Uh, I can't, you know, I, I could just go on and on. How do you have those moments? and not say, man, there is something. And at least, I, I'm not even saying you have to get all the way there, but at least to be able to honestly say, as the song does, there's, I really want there, I want badly to believe that there is truth, that there's, that love is real, you know, that I, I want life and everything. There, there's something that I am longing for. And when I taste it, it is better than my Coca-Cola Zero that I think's from Mexico, man. It is the true nectar <laughs> of God. It is the beauty of life. Even the smallest events hold the greatest clues. Pay attention, friends, uh, because he's there. And that longing, you know, Beekner saying, is God whispering to you that he's real? Well, and you can't say that without me, even if I've said this before, going into this again, uh, the gift of Mary Oliver. And how Mary Oliver continues to teach and to train, to guide and to mentor me and so many others. Instructions on living a life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. I mean, when we lose the ability to, to be lost in wonder in every moment, there is a problem. <laughs> You know, I'm teaching through the Gospel of Matthew right now. And I mean, every time as I go up to teach these students, I start working on it and I'm like, there is no way that I can unpack for you what Matthew has written here, inspired by the Father, because, because it is so vast. It is so huge. It is so beyond our ability to know. I mean, I can only know so little of it. You know, I was talking to a friend this morning who told me, he said, he said, it's like there's this ocean which covers two thirds of the earth, you know, and I've got this little eight ounce Coca-Cola zero sugar can and I've filled it all the way up and it's so exciting. And when I pop the top on it, it's so wonderful and it might even spew out a little bit. And you know what, as I pour it, the sound and the bubbles and everything come together and it just makes this, it brings about this glorious joy and this this union that's about to happen, you know, on my lips and in my mouth and in my body. Yeah, well, guess what? <laughs> I've got an eight ounce Coke can for a two thirds, you know, for mm -hmm. a vast ocean, and I can't even begin to understand it. But but Drew, we come to it so many times and we think, well, I've got a corner on this. 
Oh, I am. Um, so, I was about to say the same thing. I'm so glad you're saying this. Preach. Yeah. You know, I've got some <laughs> truth. You know, I, I'm ready to impart some knowledge to you. And and we as believers walk out into a lost and broken world and we miss its beauty. And we come in and we like, we've got a message for you. Hey, sucker. <laughs> we already have received that message. You know what? You should be, you know, don't don't be a voice crying in the wilderness. You you be a voice that comes in and that joins the symphony not creates a cacophony. Oh, yeah. So, no, no, I'm telling, I, well, and I think how many of these, you know, I hate to be mean, but these theo bros, these theological bros that, man, they, they want to reduce the faith journey to a series of prepositions. They yes. want to be able to explain away God on a three-page doctrinal statement that they you signed to be a member at their church. And there is no room for God to work outside of that. And again, I'm not trying to, I'm not fighting for universalism or anything like that. I believe, you know, in the word of God, I believe in who God has revealed himself in Christ Jesus, but daggone it. I believe in the wonder and beauty of God continuing to speak and continuing to work. And I actually think that if more people talked about God, the way you and I are talking about him, it would sound like a whole lot better news to a lot of people who have rejected this idea that if they don't get understand and perfectly agree with your three pages of propositions that they don't believe in God and they're going to hell. Well, and that the good news has been reduced to, um, you know, a series of words that people can't even pronounce. Exactly. And not to mention that, even if they can pronounce them, and even if they can explain them with perfect clarity, they've never lived one of them. Exactly. Exactly. Because if, I mean, at what point... I mean, it's the incarnation. At what point did the words come alive again in you? At what point are you a third testament and a fifth gospel to the people that you come in contact with? Amen. Yeah. Well, in fact, perfect. This I think this is perfect as we're continuing on. Since you went first the first time, uh, I'm going to pick up with one of my other songs, one of my favorite bands. You ever listen to them? The Lone Bellow, man. They are just mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, I, I have one of the few bands that I absolutely love that I haven't gotten to see live and it kills me, but it's a song called wonder. <laughs> we were just talking about wonder. Uh, and I love this. I'm actually going to read the whole thing. Uh, unlike my other one, uh, it says I'm sipping on cheap coffee, listening to Graceland, wondering if you'll write me wondering why my life is like that saddle country song. My family used to hum to, and I'm working on a letter that I will never send you. I'm riding in your pickup on the way to Bedlam taken in the moonlight waiting for the rain to come crash down on our arms we won't roll the windows up as it stoned me stamps this tree line that this memory of us i've taken every back road i probably shouldn't take i've wasted my time and let time waste away my days should i let go of the wonder let go of the wonder i'll find it out beyond the trees take whatever bottled memory you had of me take the sorrow and the poison I dreamt that I might need, take the battered, broken parts I thought that I might be, leave them there among the wreckage, make it easier to see, take the drunken spirit calling, take the reasons that I left, take the mistake of the fallen, take the couch and take the chest, take away whatever hope I had of ever feeling. I've taken every back road I probably shouldn't take. I've wasted my time and let time waste away my day. Should I let go of the wonder? Let go of the wonder? Should I let go of the wonder? Let go. I need something to hold on to. Oh, man, that one gets me. I need something to hold on mm -hmm. to. Dead leaves, bare feet, our eyes were true. 
We can't unsee that field of view. I'm writing you a letter that I will never send you. I need something to hold on to. And then it goes back. I've taken every back road I probably shouldn't take. I've wasted my time and let time waste away my day. Shall I let go of the wonder? Let go of the wonder. I instantly, when I heard this song, again, same echoes of everything else we've been referencing so far in this episode. In this episode. I, I know Zachary, um, uh, shoot, what's his name? Zachary Williams, uh, who's the lead. And, and I've, I've, I've heard them. One of the influences for this song was this idea that life beats the wonder out of us. That looks back and says, I, I, as a kid, and I think there's even these memories that's like looking back when I was a kid and it was, there was wonder, there was beauty, there was mystery in the world. And something about life has beat that out of me. And I'm looking around now and thinking, this ain't what I, <laughs> this ain't what I thought I signed up for. <laughs> Should I let go of it? Should I like, you know, is there, I want to clean. And it's basically a cry. It's like, I, I, I've done all the things I shouldn't do. I've wasted my time. Can I just hold on? Can I find, rediscover? Can I, can I get back to that beautiful, ch you know, childlike wonder that I had? And I've referenced it before, but it reminds me of the GK Chesterton idea that, you know, children have this vibrant, you know, wonder uh, that they keep saying, do it again, do it again. They don't, they don't find monotony in anything because they have such a sense of wonder. And he talks about how, you know, in that quote that we've grown up because, uh, and kind of died of wonder because we can't exalt in monotony. Uh, but he talks about, is it possible that God is actually a God full of wonder every day that he says, do it again to the sun, do it again every evening to the moon, doing it again to every daisy that no two daisies are alike. He's raising everyone separately uh, because uh, he, we've actually sinned and grown old. We've actually become jaded and our father is younger than we. And I heard this song. I could not help but think of that, man we've actually, we're missing out on the beauty of life. Part of what mm -hmm. sin does to us is it does jade us. It eats away at, at the beauty of life. And it does, it, it's almost like a, a blindfold that doesn't allow us to see the beauty of what God's doing in and around us. And what God, again, I think that's what these other lyricists are crying out for in our cynical disenchanted age, uh, as, as so many, you know, as, as Charles Taylor calls it, our disenchanted age, can we hold on to the wonder? Because if we can, again, pay attention to the smallest clues. <laughs> I keep coming back to it. Uh, God saying, I'm there. I'm there. I don't know what your thoughts are, but man, that's, that's what hit me in that song. Well, I'll tell you something I was thinking about. You listed off a bunch of things a minute ago, and I won't remember them right now, but you listed off these things uh, that we've lost when it comes to wonder. And one of the things you didn't mention, which I think is one of the hugest is guess what we had when we were children? Guess what we had when we were when we were on that back road and the rain was beating down on our arms and we weren't rolling up the windows? What we had was we had time. And what we no longer have is time. Mm. We don't allow ourselves to sit and to appreciate and to allow for wonder to wash over us because there's too many anxieties, there's too many, there's too many troubles, there's too much social media, there's too much negative news and information that we've forgotten the good news, that we don't actually live the good news. We don't actually even love the good news because we don't even know the good news. And so we have to go back to those places 
to where wonder can once again wash over us. And I mean, I spent a lot of time talking to a friend of mine on the phone today about the fact that, you know, I just have to be in mystery. I have to be on a search. I have to be looking for something. Um, and, and knowing that I'm going to find it is that joy that just comes to me every time around every corner, you know, because I am expecting wonder around every corner. And so if we begin to retrain ourselves and to allow ourselves to be aware of wonder everywhere, I mean, it takes us back to those moments. We need those memories. You know, I mean, he even remembers what song he was listening to in that Chevy S10 pickup. Mm -hmm. He knows. And, and so it's like, I mean, I've been thinking about some things that have happened in my past today and I'm going back. I go, oh, I know what I was eating when I did that. I know what I was drinking when I did that. At what point are we going to allow this stuff to sink into our souls and to saturate us and to save us from ourselves? Mm, man, that's good. So, yeah. I mean, that's no, sort of what I, I'm thinking as I hear those I, words. I, yeah, I think we're saying the same thing and I love it. Yeah. And again, if you've not heard of the song, I don't think we need to beat the dead drum. We've said a lot of the same things uh, about all three of these songs so far. You need to go listen to it because even just musically, the way that it moves, you feel these lyrics. There is a, yes, there is, do. there is a melancholy nature to, to some of it, a beautiful melancholy nature, but a, of a, of a longing to get back to the beauty of childhood uh, when everything was, was wonderful. Everything was mysterious uh, before life, life seems to steal something from us. Um, and again, we haven't even talked about this. There's probably a reason Jesus talks about us finding a childlike faith, you know, rediscovering a childlike wonder, uh, because in many ways that is, that is the faith journey. Um, the life seems to beat out of us. So we have time for one more. We're going to continue this into the next episode. We have time for one more song, Danny. Uh, so why don't you, uh, why don't you give us your, your second one? Well, I, I want to go with Pollyanna by um, Green Day, but we're not going to because <laughs> I think this next one just fits into some of the things that we've talked about. Um, and it's a song by Rise Against, and uh, it's called The Nowhere Generation. And I won't keep reading and banging into our heads uh, and trying to uh, beat a dead horse with what they say over and over again in this song, which we need to hear. But they are these words. We are the nowhere generation. We are the kids that no one wants. We are a credible threat to the rules you set, a cause to be alarmed. We are not the names that we've been given. We speak a language you do not know. We are the nowhere generation, the nowhere generation. Oh, whoa. Um, I just want to stop for just a second. I mean, this is um, it's like punk rock, but we'll give it still into the punk rock uh, genre. Tim McElrath is uh, is the lead singer. And I tell you what, he said, this song is birthed out of all of these 16-year-olds who end up sitting in our front rows, who, you know, who are part of the millennial and the Gen Z, a Gen Y and Gen Z generations that, you know, feel like they have no hope and, and feel like, you know, they've been sold a bill of goods that's not available to them. Um, and I'm going to show you how he says that here in a minute. And it's so powerful. And he says, I'm singing this song from their point of view, because 
he said, I started listening to him and, you know, everybody, millennial almost became a bad word. And it was almost like, you know, we said these people are the people that can't run the right errands and can't do these things that they should be able to do for themselves. And, and he said, at some point, when you hear them and you hear the pain and what has been taken away from them and from what they might never be able to achieve or be able to garner or be able to accomplish or be able to uh, have an experience, he said, it's no wonder they feel the way they feel. And, and he goes on in this song, and I mean, this is just, this is unbelievable. He says, um, we are spiraling down, and the longer we wait, the further we go. I know we're slipping through the cracks now. No place, on your, no place left on your map to call home now. We are the nowhere generation. He goes through that, goes through the things that we just said again, and then he gets down to this. He said, they told us every day there's a land of milk and honey. It's not that far away, but the finish line kept moving. And the promises wore thin. The smoke on the horizon was the burning promised land. Oh, my goodness. The smoke on the, on the horizon was the burning promised land. In this place, you'll still be somewhere. But they sold it out from under us. Our voices all ignored. We are the nowhere generation, the kids that no one wants, a credible threat to the rules you set, a cause to be alarmed. We are not the names we've been given. We speak a language you do not know. We are the nowhere generation, the nowhere generation. Oh, whoa. And it goes on and there's other things, but we're almost out of time. So I'm just going to stop right there and just say he talks about the fact that punk rock should be a genre that that reminds us that you have a right to speak to those in authority and that you have a message and that you need to give this message and that it should be heard. And, and I just, I love it. And when they talked to Michael Rath and to, to other member of the band, I mean, it was so powerful. They said, look, we want to point out the issues. We want to help people see the problems to be able to recognize the thorns in their side and tell them that they can do something against the thorn in their own sides as well. And he says, but we never want to leave people without hope. I'm listening to a rock and roll musician who's writing about the pains that he's experienced and the pains that he knows in his generation. And he goes, look, this world is a mess. It's jacked up, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't ever want to leave people without hope because there is hope. And I'm going, man, preach on to me yeah, and preach on to these students preach on to these, these millennials and these Gen Ys and these Gen Zs and to all of us and help us realize that, you know what, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility not to let our problems and the thorns on our sides destroy us. And we, have a pro and, and, and we need to get the help we need to get, but we also need to help our own selves. And we need to see the hope that is out there, the hope that exists. No, that's awesome. Well, I mean, a lot of what you're describing the, the punk rock's trying to set itself towards in the church world, we would call that prophetic. Mm -hmm. so it's a prophetic voice that's, that's happening here. And I, I would agree. I mean, you know, I know you'd referenced this song in one of our conversations. I don't think I'd looked at the lyrics till just at this moment. Wow. You are right. And honestly, it fits in perfectly with what they're describing. They're basically describing uh, what I, I hear so many of my friends say, you know, the baby boomers are kind of the last generation to kind of be able to live in the American dream, this idea of progress, this, again, the secular myth that we've been talking about, that we could do it without God, that we were doing just fine without him. But what happens when that, the American dream dies, and as I think it's happening right now with millennials and Gen Zers, saying, you know, I get out of college and I'm not, I'm not promised anything. I don't know if I have a job. I'm $200,000 in debt. Um, 
you know, we're looking around, we're not prosperous. We're, we're the first generation to step back financially, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I don't even know, 100, 150 years, nothing's going good. Uh, this idea that everything, you know, again, uh, that we could just have our cozy little lives and be comfortable and move on without God, it, it is not true. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, they're, they're literally crying out. I love yeah. that, you know, um, man, yeah, the, the burning, burning promised land, you know, the American yeah. dream promised land is not, is not working out so well for us. And again, what draws us back to the transcendent more than we've been is, yeah, I'm looking around. This isn't, this isn't going all that well. This isn't all that okay. I, I, this isn't all that we hope there would be. There's brokenness, there's pain, and I can't just numb it away by acting like everything's okay with prosperity uh, with, with climbing over top of others. No, I'm just stuck in my pain. I'm just stuck in my hardship. And that's typically the place that's the liminal space that typically draws us back into the divine. Um, yeah. When we need well, and I appreciate you saying that. And I, I want to point out one thing as we're closing, I know we are, we are not the names we've been given. Mm. I'm telling you when Simon son of John met Jesus, he said, you will be called Cephas. Jesus was a person who gave people new names. He reminded them of who they are. Levi, Levi, the tax collector, well, we know him as Matthew, and his name means gift of God. I wonder if Jesus gave him that name. And I want to look at all of these people who've been given a name that is less than, that is lower than, that is of low value and little worth. And I want them to know how valuable they are in the sight of a God who has loved them and who has imprinted his image on them. Let me tell you something. I agree with Tim McElrath. There is hope and it is time to rise against hmm. all of the lies and all of the lines that we've been sold that aren't true. Hmm. Well, I, I don't even want to step over top of that. We're just going to end on that. That I think that's about as good as it gets. Um, I think that's exactly what we're trying to get at. We're actually going to continue this conversation uh, in a future in one of our future episodes, part two of this. I shouldn't say one of our our next episode after this. Uh, we're going to be continuing this conversation on, uh, and are going to switch up the theme a little bit with the songs that we choose, uh, and kind of still be looking for God, but in a slightly different way. So uh, this has been awesome. I hope it's been awesome for those listening. Again, that we can find God anywhere. Or you can find God in the midst of all, any soup that we're swimming in. Uh, he's there. And uh, again, I hope this, this conversation has been uh, beneficial for them. Look forward to continuing it. And again, as we keep saying, stay curious. Keep looking for God anywhere and everywhere you are. Towers, antenna, transistors, radio waves, 35 millimeter, 780p, 1080p, 4K, and real D 3D. Analog, digital, Dolby Surround and Atmos, IMAX, and Sony Dynamic. Beats, Sennheiser, Ultimate Ears, Bose, Audio Technica, Condenast, Viacom, Time Warner, Gannett, Penguin Random House, Simon and Schuster, Harper Collins, McMillan, Motorola, 
Apple, Samsung, LG, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, Edge, strangers, you, me, friends. God is on the air, in the air, in print, and transmitting.